Good morning and welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. We're glad you're here this morning. I want to say just a word of welcome to any guests that we may have. We have a section in the um, bulletin this morning where you can t- fill some information out about yourself and maybe put some prayer requests down there and tear that out and place that in the offering plate as it comes by a little later in the service. Uh, we would love for, to, to have you do that. There's also uh, several announcements in your bulletin. Please be mindful of those this morning. But we certainly do want to welcome you here today. We have some special guests with us from Crest High School. We have Hannah Thurman on violin. Wave your hand. Rachel Wentz on uh, violin. Brooke Justice on viola. All right, I got it right. Alyssa Broaden on cello. And we are glad that each of you are here this morning. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as they lead us in our call to worship.
thank you for setting the tone for our worship this morning. Friends, I welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I invite you to open your heart, your mind, your soul to the power and presence of the risen Christ. And may we be open to the leading of the Spirit. Let us praise and worship the Lord as we join together in singing our in-gathering hymn, number 255, We Are God's People. As we sing, you were invited to bring your Heck Jones offering forward and place it in the baskets. Let us now join together in singing hymn number 255. At the sound of the organ, please stand as you are able. Welcome the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. Hey, little one, sit right here. You want to sit right here at my feet? Sit right there. There you go. Good morning to all of you today. Oh my goodness, it's so nice to see some sunshiny faces. What does Miss Ellen have this morning? A potato. A potato. Well, this is Mrs. Potato Head. Because somehow or another, my Mr. Potato Head is missing some parts. So today it's Mrs. Now, first thing we need to know about Mrs. Potato Head is that she needs some eyes. And okay, but wait, before we get to the nose, what does Miss Potato Head see here? Church. Church, thank you. And what else does she see? Us. A lot of people. Thank you, Will. Can you think of something else she might see? Um, Mr. Potato. Mr. Potato Head, yes. Okay. Now, she sees the church. She sees all the people. She sees all of you. And she's happy. Now, next, since she's a lady, 
And we are most used to that. She needs a mouth and some lips. And now that she's in church, what's she going to do with her mouth? She's going to eat. Eat. <laughs> she's going to talk. And, and she's going to kiss. And she's going to sing. Kiss. Kiss. Oh, kiss. Yes, yeah, she might if I had Mr. Potato Head. What else, James? Sing. We were just singing. And before church is over, Pastor Keith's going to have a prayer. And, but, and, she can, and she can brush her hair. And with her teeth? Oh, I don't know about that one. But Okay, brush her hair. And eat macaroni and cheese. And eat macaroni and cheese. Okay, let, let's work on what else we need to put on her. All right. What about some arms? Okay, she's going to take her arms and we're going to get them on the right side. And she's going to shake her hand when you. She needs her purse. She needs her purse. Okay, she needs her purse. Okay. If she was standing at the door this morning, she'd be shaking people's hands and saying, What? Thank you for coming to church today. And ringing the doorbell. And yes, she does need a purse, doesn't she? Okay. She's got her purse. Okay. Now, after we have said all this, she also needs her ears, doesn't she? And what is she going to hear? She's going to hear our singing and our prayers, our Sunday school lesson today. And what did we do at Sunday school today, Ella? Did you taste things that God made? Yeah. We had a tasting party, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We had to taste our like, sweet things. Sweet things and sour things. All right. The last thing we're going to have is what is the middle of her face. Her nose. But you know what? The nose might be the most important thing because it's in the middle of her face. But you know who the most important thing should be in our face and in our heart? God, that's exactly right. So when we put her all together, we've got eyes to see our church and the people who hear. We, excuse me, I need to turn it around. We've got ears to hear the songs and the scripture and the lessons. We've got arms to reach out and hug and love and touch. We've got our mouth to sing the praises that God is love and God is here with us every day. Isn't that right, Georgia? Mm -hmm. Can we remember all these things when we're looking at ourselves sometimes in the mirror? When we come to Sunday school and when we go to church, we need to open our arms and love and tell everybody about our love, don't we? All right, let's pray. Wyatt, would you like to pray? Come here. Okay, say your prayer. God takes care of us every day. And he takes care of all the teachers and all the family and all the kids. Amen. Amen. If there are any older children who would like to go with me to Sunshine Church, they are welcome to join us. Ellen's got her hands full this morning. Good luck, Ellen. At uh, this time, I want to invite Sherry Hines to come and join me up here, and uh, I think we may have one or two children volunteers that are going to help us. I think Miss Will may help us. But uh, Sherry Hines has uh, in charge, she's the chair of our parish nurse committee. And this month, if you have come to Sunday school on your way into church on either entrance, either side, you have the opportunity to get your blood pressure taken. And as a part of that, we put your name in a, in a drawing and there's some prize cards. I'm not, or prize, I'm not even sure what they are. And she'll tell us about that, but I'll let her tell you a little bit more. And she's got some wonderful helpers this morning that will help her uh, draw a name. So Sherry. Good morning. Thank you again for wearing red the entire month of February um, in recognition of heart disease and how it's impacted almost everybody in this room in some way or shape or form. At this time, I would like for the parish nurse committee members that are here to stand. I've seen a few of them scattered around. <laughs> Here's Lizzie and 
Gail. Oh, that's Amber back there, and there's Holly. So don't forget that not only during the month of February, but any time throughout the year, you can. the church office has our phone numbers. You can stop us before church, after church, during church. Anytime you have any health concerns, please feel free to use us. I don't think we're utilized as much as we, as we could be. Okay, so now for what we look forward to the whole month of February, we're gonna draw names. All right, Will, I'm gonna let you do the man, okay? The man's in the red. Mike Davis. Is he here? You'll get it for him. Okay. I forgot the. I'll get with you after church. I left them at my seat back there. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. Now we'll do the one. Betsy Beeson. And it's also Betsy's birthday, I think. It is. It's, I don't think she's, she's here. Okay. She's away on her birthday, so I'll get that to Betsy. Thank y'all. Thank you, Sherry, and for all you and the committee do to keep us healthy here at Bowling Springs Baptist. At this time, I want to mention a few prayer concerns. First of all, I want to say a praise. I know how much one in our congregation loves to be recognized, so I'm going to say that, Celeste, it's good to have you here this morning. <laughs> uh, she's had quite a journey with her... In. Let me say that, well, I'm going in and out here, but let me also say that uh, uh, this week, tomorrow, we have a church member. If you want to know the details of this, or you could help with this in some way, come and talk with me following worship, the worship time. But we have a church member that needs to go to a doctor's appointment in Charlotte tomorrow. I'm possibly willing to help some with this, and I can tell you more of the details uh, after worship today, but if you are interested in helping this church member get to Charlotte for this important doctor's appointment tomorrow, please see me following worship. Also, let's be, continue to be in prayer for Dolores White. Many of you know Doris and, and um, Dale and Regina, but um, Dolores has been now in the hospital. We mentioned this last Sunday, but she's been in the hospital for a full week awaiting hip surgery. Uh, that is tentatively scheduled for tomorrow, so please pray that that does happen. But she is having a tough time there and just is very much in need of the Lord's strength and just a renewal of, uh, just, uh, of spirit, just in the sense of her uh, waiting this week for that there in the hospital. And so please be in prayer for her and the family and the doctors at this time. We certainly know of others within our church family that need our prayers today. And so let's take just a moment to bow. Maybe you come in here this morning with a burden or uh, maybe with a praise and you just uh, would like to lift that up to the Lord. So I'll give you just a moment to do that and then I will lead us in our prayer this morning. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we're so um, thankful for your presence, not only in our lives, but in this place here this morning. We thank you for the gift of laughter. We thank you for um, the uh, ability that a church family has to share our concerns and our burdens together. But Lord, we're also grateful for the joys that we can share. I'm reminded of the verse uh, when you speak about rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. As we come together as the church family, as the body of Christ, Lord, I'm grateful that we can rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And sometimes we do that within the matter of the same hour. Lord, we lift up all the concerns that are before us today. We are grateful for those that are healing and those that are on the men following flu or following the procedure or surgery. Lord, we lift up those who are struggling this morning. We do pray for Dolores White. We do pray for others who are in the midst of healing, the midst, some of those who are in the midst of unanswered questions about health concerns this morning. We pray for those individuals as well. For the families here today that are struggling with decisions that need to be made soon, maybe in regards to career or a move or in relationship to uh, children, Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom and a sense of discernment and direction about decisions that need to be made this week. Lord, we do ask for your forgiveness in ways that we failed you this week. Lord, help us to seek your face, help us to follow in your will and your way as we go about our daily lives. Lord, I'm grateful for these guests who have come from Crest High, and Lord, we ask for your blessing on them this morning as well. Lord, uh, we are grateful for so many blessings. We're thankful most of all this morning for your son, Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we gather, the reason that we worship, the reason that we pray and sing and read your word, and we, the reason that I have uh, to be here today to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Father, as we enter in to continue into our worship hour with song and scripture and sermon, Lord, teach us more about how to do a very difficult task, a command that you have given us today, as we will find out, and that's to love our enemies and to treat other people at times the way that we would like to be treated ourselves. A difficult passage. And so, Father, give us insight into that as we open up your word in a few moments. Lord, we love you. We commit this time to you today. May we all say as we leave this place, it's good to have been in your house. We ask this in Jesus' name, the name above all names. Amen. Our hymn is number 264, Where Charity and Love Prevail. 264. Please stand if you are able and join in singing. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we offer our thanks for the blessings you so generously give to us every day. We pray that you will take our offerings and multiply them for your kingdom and glory. In Jesus' name, we humbly pray. Amen.
Thank you for leading us in worship. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. These words will be on the screen, but you may have your own Bible or device that you would like to read Scripture on. Luke 6, beginning at verse 27, I'll be reading through verse 38. This is Luke's version or account of what we know in Matthew as the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke, it is referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. Um, Whether you're reading it in Matthew or you're reading it in Luke, these words are hard to digest. These are some tough words from our Lord, and we'll see that as we begin reading here. Luke 6, verse 27 through 38. I say to you that, and I add, I say to you that really listen, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Then Jesus gives us some examples. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. May God add his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. The anthem that the choir is doing today is one that I think some of you have probably heard before, um, and we've never sung it as a congregation, but if you know the words or you want to sing along with us, feel free to do so. We have several choir members who are sick, so we can use your extra help. So sing along if you would like.
Thank you, choir. You know, the words in the song they just sang said, we're digging deep to know, we're digging deep in the word to know our Father's heart. And this morning, we don't have to dig too far into Luke chapter six to hear some difficult and tough words from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The good news that I proclaim, that we proclaim, is not always easy news for all who hear. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. We know Christians, or we hear often, we should know Christians by their love. But love for enemies? This is some tough stuff from Jesus this morning. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a a sermon series called Identity Crisis. And we've talked about the fact that as individuals, as a church, as church universal, as, as different institutions within our society today, and even our country itself, as we listen to the news periodically or daily or hopefully not all the time, you'll get depressed, don't do that. Uh, but as we listen to the news, we see a country as well that's searching for a sense of identity. Our, as individuals and as institutions, we are asking the question, who am I? Who are we? And who are we to be in this age, at this time, at this uh, February the 24th in 2019, who are we to be and how are we to identify as God's people? And what would that look like for us? Over the next several weeks, we're going to continue in Luke, but today we wrap up this sermon series on identity. And we do so with a very difficult sermon. I would say a difficult passage, probably our most challenging yet. Um, Love for enemies. If... uh, how do I say this? It would be like if, uh, if I set some cooked spinach in front of Aiden for dinner at night and, um, and Renee, would be, Renee and I explains the nutritional value of this dinner, none of us really want to dig in. And that's a little bit of what we have here today. It's like all this talk about love and identity is good, but when, Pastor, when you start talking about love for enemies... This is not on what we know is the regular menu for Christian discipleship, or is it? It's not something that is served up easily, if you will. Who wants to love an enemy? Really? These are good words coming from Jesus, but it seems like we would much rather hear three points to loving our neighbor or five ways to have a better life. Uh, There's a lot of sermons like that out there, and I may preach one of those soon, but that's not the sermon that we have here before us today. This morning we come to worship, and hopefully we come wanting to be challenged, but do we really want to focus on this challenge this morning? Loving our enemies and treating other people who hate us, doing good to people who seek our harm, is that really where we want to go this morning. The truth be told, we may share the sentiment of the old Irish prayer that goes like this. May those that love us, love us. And those that don't love us, may God turn their hearts. And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles. So we'll know them by their limping. (laughs) That may more share, maybe more honest about our feelings about this idea of loving our enemy this morning. But last week we looked at kind of part one of this. It was Jesus' sermon on the plane and Jesus talked about uh, some difficult things there as well and he pulled it in. It was very clear if we look back in the passage that Jesus was speaking specifically to the disciples. But yet he was speaking to the disciples in the midst of hundreds if not thousands of other people that also came to hear his message. It would be like this morning if I said, now, now you guys on the front row here, and I started talking to you while everybody else is in the room. And so that's a little bit of what Jesus has going on here on the Sermon on the Plain. The message is for the disciples, but yet everyone needs to hear and to heed his instructions. Why does, why does Jesus recommend what he does? And if we take these commands serious, wouldn't we take the risk of allowing others to take advantage of us? As we said last week, Jesus' sermon here is, is countercultural. It's upside down. It's not n- our normal way of thinking when he asks us to love our enemies and to do good to those that harm you and pray for those who spitefully use you. This is not n- normal things that, that we pray, normal things that we preach. Uh, it, you know, this is not the, the, the love, feel good kind of message this morning. I thought, of, I thought of it in this way this week, and some of you young parents can definitely identify, and those of you who've had young children at some time can certainly identify, but hopefully whether you've had young children or not, you can identify with this. It would be like the parent of a preschooler who sends their kid to daycare or to preschool, and they say these things to them. You need to love those that don't like you and are mean to you at preschool. Now that doesn't sound like 
that out of countercultural, does it? I mean, there are those of you young parents, you probably said that. I've said that to Aiden at times. Aiden, you need to be nice to people that are mean to you. We've heard, we said that to our kids before. But what about those boys and girls that speak mean to you? You say nice things back to them, okay? That's something that I could hear a parent say. We're, that's, it may be stretching it a little bit, but yet I think we would say that. But what about, what about these? Whoever hits you on your cheek, turn and let them hit you on your other cheek. We would never say that to our kids as they go off to preschool. We wouldn't say that. But what about whoever steals and takes your snack at snack time? Go ahead and give them your lunch as well. No, we wouldn't say that. Now, I may take a hit every now and then as a kid, but don't touch my food. You know what I'm saying? Um, or when it's cold, what about, we would, we, would we say, if someone takes your coat when it's cold outside at rehes, recess, go ahead and give them your gloves and your warm hat as well. We don't tell our kids that. Um, what about if anyone asks you for your favorite toys, go ahead and give them all your toys. Um, this last one, I think parents have said to kids, and I think they should say to kids, treat your friends the same way you want them to treat you. That's a good word for young children. It's a good word for all of us, whether we're uh, working you know, in the midst of our careers, treat other people the way you want them to treat you. If we take these teachings of Jesus too literal and teach them to our children, there's danger for our children to be walked on and taken advantage of. And I would also say for adults, there's that danger for us as well. So again, why does Jesus recommend what he does? Wouldn't this allow us, you and me, to be taken advantage of? Will we not become the world's doormat if we assume a passive posture in the face of abuse, as Jesus seems to suggest? Most churches I know are careful about the way they handle money. Uh, and not only money in our, with our church budget, but money in the sense of others who come by that are in need. Uh, we have a food pantry here. We uh, pride ourselves on the work that we do with our food pantry and that we're able to help countless numbers of people each and every week with that food pantry. But invariably, each week, we'll often have someone that will ask, I need a little money for gas, or I need money for a hotel room, or I need money for this. And so we listen to their story and we try to see if we can help. Uh, if we're able to help in some way, sometimes we do, but most likely we're not often able to help with a financial piece, but we are able to help always with the food piece. If we get into ourselves into a situation, a lot of times these happen really early in the morning, some weekdays. It's like the person wakes up and they come here at, right at 8.30 or 9, and Heidi and Betsy often have to begin that conversation, and then other staff will come in and help with this, but we have to do something. We have to call other churches or email other churches. We have to maybe talk with Wesley at the association and see if this person is taking advantage of resources in their community. Have they been by the association? Have they been by Pleasant Ridge or Flint Hill? And we'll share emails back and forth between churches to see that people are not taking advantage of us. It seems like we've spent a good deal of church history trying to figure out and trying to parse Jesus's words here to make them mean something uh, a little bit different, maybe than what they mean, or maybe to help us, again, not to be taken advantage of. To the average listener and to us this morning, um, this supposedly good news that Jesus came to pronounce could sound like bad advice. And let me explain what I mean. Jesus would honestly not ask us to love the town scoundrel, would he? Or the one who abuses his wife or children, would he? Let me make a few things very clear as we move forward with this difficult passage. Jesus is not permissive regarding abuse. If you are being abused or you are abusing someone, Jesus is not pleased with that. Let me make that very clear. Jesus does not want to empower thieves. He says in his text that Jesus says, if anyone takes your coat, give them also your shirt. And taken to the extreme, we could be giving criminals permission to steal from us. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not advocating a passive response to violence and evil. When the offender or the perpetrator doesn't understand his or her actions as wrong, turning one's cheek may send the wrong message and that the violence is justified. The successful thief may be encouraged to steal again if these words of Jesus are taken to the extreme and are taken out of context. 
as this week I said, we're concluding the sermon series on identity. Jesus gives us some examples, some characteristics, if you will, of an identity that has been reshaped and reformed to look more like him. One of the key messages that I hope you've heard each Sunday as we've went through this series is Christian people, our identity should be looking more like Christ as we grow older, as we mature in our faith. There should be a closer, there should be the, uh, the characteristics of Christ should be more readily uh, exemplified in our lives, exhibited in and through our lives as we grow and as we mature in our relationship with Christ. Sure, we understand the fact that we're sinful. We understand the fact that we will never arrive at perfection. Um, but nevertheless, his way should be reflected more and more in our lives. And so uh, this morning, what are some characteristics of a reshaped life? If we've placed our identity in Christ and we're seeking to live for him and to follow him, what are some characteristics? What would that look like for you and for me based on today's text? And let me just say here, when it comes to discipleship, this is the varsity team right here. How you have the JV and the varsity. This is the varsity. This is the upper level discipleship. If you're a professor, this is the what, 500, 600 level classes. I don't know if they go higher than that or not, but this is upper level discipleship right here. For the new Christian, these concepts would be foreign at conversion. And this is something that, again, we grow into, that it's a process. Characteristics of a growing Christian, um, reshaped identity should include, like Jesus said, love for enemies, a love for those who are against us. We want their hearts to change, but it's only through God's strength in us and through us that this could ever take place. I realize that what Jesus is asking and what I'm preaching this morning is easier said than done. Loving enemies doesn't come naturally. And the only way that that can happen is through the power of the Spirit, is through God working in us and God working through us. Some other characteristics of a reshaped life. Do good to those who hate you. Seek the betterment of those who are opposed to you. That's a difficult thing to do, but it's something that's reflected in the spirit of Jesus' message here this morning. Pray for those who curse us. Pray for those who mistreat us. If someone's giving you a hard time, pray for them. Things could change and may change with them, but oftentimes what happens is things change with us. And God gives us a new way of relating to this person and seeing them as someone who's just like us, who's flawed, who at times is insecure, and someone who needs Christ to transform their lives as well. Pray for those who are opposed to us. Pray for those who curse us and mistreat us. And we also see here a call to practice radical generosity. Radical generosity with our money, with our possessions, to go the extra mile in assisting and lending to others. And then what I've written in bold and what Jesus said, I don't know any other way to say it more clearly when he says, treat others the way we would want to be treated. The golden rule. I remember as a kid, my dad, I was helping him uh, one afternoon outside with something and I, I can't remember if I was preschool. I would like to hope that I wasn't older than that, but I remember hearing something like this in church one day through Sunday school class or preaching or something. And I said, dad, what's that verse that says do to others as you would have them do unto you or something like, he said, that's not the way it goes, son. He said, it's treat others the way you would want them to treat you. And so that was transformative for me. But as a little kid, I thought I heard it a different way at church. Um, but treat others the way we would want them to treat us. What are some other characteristics of a reshaped identity? We love, we do good, and we lend to those who dislike us. And then I want us to spend just a moment focusing on verses 32 through 34 that we just read. We show God's grace to people who don't deserve it. If you look back at verses uh, 32 through 34, it says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit, or in the Greek, what thanks, or what grace is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. The Greek word translated credit is the same word that we have for grace. God's grace is unmerited love, unmerited favor. It's shown to undeserving people. 
And we all love to receive God's grace, but it's a different thing when we are asked by Jesus to show that grace to others who simply don't deserve it. This is a hard teaching from Jesus as well, that he's coupled in here with love your enemies. This kind of love is not motivated by the goodness or kindness of others, but it chooses to show kindness even to those whose actions are mean and ugly. And all of us in this room have lived long enough to experience the actions of others who, that are just downright mean and ugly. It leaves ourselves wondering, why would they do this? Why would they do this to me? Or why would they do this to others? This was just outright wrong. This was outright ugly. But yet God asks us to show grace even when it is undeserved. And then in verse 36, it says, be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. The word mercy here is indicating a deep level of compassion for others. I'm so grateful that in the midst of how God sees me, he still, and the flaws that I have, he still offers me his deep compassion, his deep love, his deep care. Christ is asking his disciples in the first century and he's asking his disciples today to show this mercy to others who are undeserving. Characteristics of a growing Christian's reshaped identity also include a non-judgmental spirit. We see that here at the end of the text. And it also asks us to show a forgiving spirit. I would argue with you this morning that forgiveness should be the most distinguishing characteristic of God's people today. Not only are we forgiven people, but we forgive others that's part of who we are and that's part of what we do. And I'm not saying that forgiveness oftentimes can happen overnight. If somebody has done something, as we use the word mean and ugly to you, that you can just the next morning wake up and you forgive them. Sometimes forgiveness is a process. And my hope and prayer is that if you have others that have wronged you this morning and you're harboring unforgiveness, that you would allow the spirit of God to continue to work and to allow forgiveness to take place in your spirit. As Christians, it is our desire to be more like Christ. I think of Paul's words in Philippians 2 where he said, let this mind, let this attitude, um, let this mind, let this attitude be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul also said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. To truly follow Christ's advice, to love enemies, to pray for those who spitefully use us and who are mean and ugly to us is a radical set of behaviors. So radical, in fact, that the most of us would have to admit that we don't generally come anywhere close to carrying out the full extent of Jesus's commands here in Luke chapter six. To love our enemies, really? George Whitfield was an evangelist in England in the 1700s. He would preach often and the places where he would preach would um, see hundreds, if not thousands, come to know the Lord and respond to faith in Jesus Christ. As often as evangelists do and preachers sometimes will get a letter of criticism, yes, believe it or not, it's true, or a word of, of criticism about their ministry and uh, George Whitfield received such letter from one and his response to this was always to try to be open and honest and transparent in his, in his response. So after receiving a letter of personal attack, he wrote one simple reply to the sender. He says, I thank you heartily for your letter. As for what you and my other enemies are saying against me, I know worse things about myself than you will ever say about me. With love in Christ, George Whitfield. You know, God knows our hearts. God knows where we fall short in this command to love others, to pray for those that curse us, to pray for those that use us. God knows where we fall short in loving our neighbor as ourself, to pull in that scripture from the great commandment. God knows where we fall short in all these areas, but yet the grace that is there for us, the grace that should be extended through us, the grace of God is there for all people. One of the things that we see throughout the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus' message is for all people. Jesus, Luke was the Gentile 
And we see this message in the birth story. We see it in Jesus's early ministry that Jesus came and his message of love and grace and forgiveness is true for all people. This morning as I begin to close, I wanna ask you two things. Number one is, have you put your identity in Christ? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ for salvation? That's the starting place right there. And for many of you in the room that have done that, I also ask you the next question this morning as well. Have you taken that next step of discipleship, that next step of growth in your relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? It takes a few steps to get to where we are today in Luke 6 when Jesus said to love your enemies and to do good to those who harm you. And if someone takes your coat, give them your shirt. We don't get there overnight, but I hope that you and I are moving in the right direction of discipleship. I hope you and I are more fully placing our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not placing our identity in the voice simple who speak into our lives from uh, voices we may hear daily or from institutions or from media. Um, But I hope and pray that our identity is solely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is there where we will find the greatest purpose and meaning in our lives that we have ever known. And my hope and prayer is that you have found that identity, that you have found that relationship with Christ. If you haven't, scripture tells us it's very simple. As we understand the love of God, we understand who he is, we understand who we are, and we've under, we understand the fact that we've made mistakes and that we've fallen short. So if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that today. I would love more than anything to talk with you about that. If you're here today and would like to take that next step of discipleship, you can do that at the altar. You can resolve there in the pew where you are that you are beginning to, or that you desire to begin to move in that direction. If you're here today and desire church membership, I invite you to come and would love to talk with you about that. Let's stand and sing together. We're going to close with hymn number 698 for the healing of the nations. Uh, You respond as you were led.